0: Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl, Nakia, and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl, Fearless Kia. We are here for another Fearless Friday episode Today, I treated myself by grabbing a bite to eat outside. I usually bring my lunch because, you know, we got to save our coins because it's expensive here in New York. But I was like, you know, I'm going to treat myself and go go, go buy lunch and, and go for a little walk outside even though it's cold. But that is how I treated myself today. On today's episode, I have a very special guest with me. She hails from Raleigh, North Carolina, um, she's an educator, speaker, athlete, coach, Aggie alum, North Carolina A&T, and a Harvard alum as well. She is the managing director of talent at Public Preparatory Network and my sorority, a devastating <laughs> member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, Miss Emily Christopher. <laughs> so
1: glad to be here today.
0: Yes. So what I usually like to do is ask, what did you do today to treat yourself?
1: Oh, man, today, I mean, today was a full work day. So I guess today I treated myself by taking a cab home. Okay, you know. (laughs) So I didn't save my coins, um, but saved my mind and a little (laughs) bit of convenience. I can definitely say yesterday I treated myself to a massage. So I try to do something for myself at least full full on once a week, something special.
0: Yes, as we should. That's why I have the, like, you should always treat yourself once a day. Do something for you. Um, so, let's get into it. Let's get into the woman behind Miss Harvard, Miss <laughs> North Carolina a and you know. What is your deepest fear?
1: Man, um, so Public Preparatory Network, we're a network of single-sex charter schools in the city, and so I work in education, uh, and I think no matter how long I've been in this space, even growing up, there was just something about not having impact. Uh, which is why I chose to work in education and why I chose to work in the nonprofit space and work with children. And so I really think my my greatest fear at the end of the day is, you know, not really having something to stand for and not having an impact.
0: Mm. Um, What type of impact do you want to leave on the community?
1: I would have to say my impact, I really feel, is transforming um, outcomes and opportunities for students through the adults that teach them and work with them on a day-to-day basis. And so... When I think of my community, I think of brown and, brown and black kids, mm-hmm. boys and girls, who no matter what level socioeconomically they come from, um, their opportunities just may be different. And so what can I do to ensure that those students have whatever chance they want put in front of them? It could be going to an HBCU. It could be going to an Ivy League school. It could be going to a special camp. You know, How do we make sure that we are orchestrating opportunities for these students that expose them to things that they may not get? Or reinforce the messages they do get at home,
0: right? So, what makes you wake up every morning? What drives oh, you to <laughs> <laughs> to enter into the world with that on your mind? It's like I want to make an back today. Yeah,
1: I, I think there were people in my life who just poured into me, and in so mm. many ways, I didn't even know they were doing it. Mm. There were like mentors and people I speak to now. Like I still call Coach Baker, my high school basketball assistant, assistant coach. Still call her now. Like, just, I got a question about today. And <laughs> I feel like even though I don't know how intentional it was growing up, like, relationships like that, like Dr. Guy from when I was in North Carolina A&T, some, some of my parents' friends from growing up in the church, and, they, like, there were just people who were around me in this village that I think I was unconscious to, but now looking back, I feel so in, inclined to be that for other people. Right. Um, and create that space where they... They have a chance to, you know, you can't tell your parents every single thing. You need somebody who you can trust, that you can talk to. And so whether it's mentoring high school students, college students, middle school students, elementary school students, you know, there's a reason that we're all here on this earth. And if we're not giving back, you know, Mm -hmm. why are you actually even here if you're not paying it forward?
0: Facts. How has, from your experience being here in New York and working in the education system, how do you feel we as millennials are doing as far as being that mentor or mm. for our community how do you feel that we are doing to continue to pay it forward to your point earlier
1: yeah i think one thing that as prof- as young professionals we do is we want to find ways to pay it forward i think one place where organizations fall short is that we have we don't do a great job of communicating broadly how people can pay it forward so what are the ways in which we're creating opportunities that let's say mentoring is not your thing let's say you're more of a you know soup kitchen type person or maybe you know being with people who have less than you is not your thing and you want to be behind the screen doing tech how are we ensuring that those opportunities are available for you that you have access to them And that, like, if kids is not your thing and you prefer elderly people, that there's a a route for that. There's a space for that. Um, I think we tend to think of volunteering and and giving back and paying it forward in very singular and finite ways. When there's so many different ways, you you know, you could be doing, you know, maybe your maybe your big thing is PR marketing. You could be helping through volunteer hours create marketing campaigns to get to students who need access to resources. It doesn't have to be that you're just doing it directly with those students. Everyone has a gift they can share, and it's just important that we figure out how do I maximize my gift. Um, there, I think there are just just so many skills now, and it, it the, the everything being so electronic, app based, technology being what it is. There's so many ways you can share your gift. It's a matter of are you taking the time to figure that out so that you can do so in mm-hmm. a way that's productive.
0: How do you find time to pour into yourself, right, so that yeah. you can be? the best mentor, the best role model for the community?
1: I mean, I think I can definitely say, which is a little weird, like work doesn't feel like work some days. Well, I'd say most days actually. Um, you know, in my work, I I oversee talent. And so there's bits and pieces of my job that are very technical and then pieces of my job that are the soft skills of working with adults. Um, And then pieces of my job where I get to go into the schools and like, I'll do lunch duty and I'll sit down and talk with some of the girls and some of the boys and just have conversations about life. Today, I sat with a young man who was having a frustrating day and he was sharing with me what he did over the weekend. And we kind of pivoted that into why his day was frustrating and how do we move forward from that? And he left the conversation, like, somewhat to my surprise because it was so short but with a smile on his face like I'm ready to go back to class now right um so it you have to find what are those small joyous moments in the day um and incorporate real in real time what you're passionate about I think work can very quickly feel like just a job Mm -hmm. and it's very exhausting if it just feels like just a job all the time and so for me between work between basketball I actually get to coach girls basketball And I get to pour into those girls in a very personal way, um, which means a lot to me. So, you know, work doesn't always feel like work, which is really, really nice.
0: Yeah. So I want to transition a little bit over into you um, are now transitioning into a new title, and a new role as a mother. Yes. Um, How has your experience been so far?
1: It's been, it's been great. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a lot of, it's a lot of different things. I think, you know, right now I'm about six months pregnant and- I don't know I I think there was a, always a part of me that went to have children but never really thought about putting a specific plan in place and mm-hmm. and you know now being six months pregnant it's kind of like look how far I've come and then also like but there's still so much more to do and so right. far to go right. <laughs> and so it's like in my in my deepest fear of not having impact it's like also now making sure that my son will have an impact mm-hmm. um, and that my family will have an impact that is positive on the community around us. And it's a bit terrifying. Like, it's exciting and terrifying at the same time. Like, I don't think I'm actually scared, but it, like, I'm anxious of what I don't know. And every single day I go further step down this path, I realize how much more I don't know.
0: Mm. Just to take a step back, prior to you um, being pregnant, how did you feel in the moment when you found out you were pregnant. And did you, did it affect kind of, you said you didn't have a timeline or something mm-hmm. planned out to be like, oh, I want to be a mother. But did mm-hmm. you have a kind of vision of when you wanted to get pregnant? Did you want to be married first, then get pregnant? You know, like, did you yeah. have those kind of, uh, that idea or vision of how you wanted it to happen prior to you, you know, getting I mean, pregnant? I I think...
1: Well, one like in my reaction, I remember I, I like cried for about two hours, and I stayed on my couch for the entire weekend. Like, oh my God, what is my life about to be? This was not like it, it wasn't it, a part it of was, plan. It was Like, is is this my path? And I think what I kind of wrestled with and came to the conclusion of is like, yeah, my, I remember Mom used to say all the time, it's just like you know, tell God your plans for your life, and He'll show you what He's actually got planned for you. Mm. And so it took me a while to really like come and sit with that. Um, but at the end of the day like i I just know this is where I'm supposed to be, this is who I'm supposed to be, and right now, you know i just turning thirty one you know i i i love I love the father of my child, and I'm very excited about our life together and moving forward and I think you know if you always try to plan everything to a t like you you're just more susceptible to mess things up, and so sometimes it's kind True. of okay to roll with the punches and even if you don't love every single aspect of how things came to fruition there's still the the blessing in what is to come of it and what you're going to learn from it and how you grow from it and you know not everybody will always agree with what you're what you've decided for yourself and that's for them to sleep with not me right like that i i can't change what has happened i can learn from and move on with and do my best to ensure that whatever, whatever comes of this situation, you know, my son will benefit.
0: Right. Did you feel like um with your um partner or your boyfriend, did you feel that at the time where you kind of grappling? I think there are a lot of women sometimes when we're, you know, we are successful in our careers, we're having a good time, <laughs> you like, girl, yes, and it's cute, this relationship, but then, okay, something unexpected or planned happens, and now mm-hmm. you're like... Did you ever have that kind of moment in your mind? Was like, mm, I'm ready for this. Are you ready for this? Not saying, are you ready for this as a woman, uh-huh. like, but then asking him, like, are you ready for this? Because it's gonna, we, it's I, were you kind of like, <laughs> we in it or? I
1: mean, we, we've you had, know, we've, we, you
0: know, we to we got our options. I that's had both real, conversations. That's
1: real. that's real. Like, I had both conversations. There was like the before I even let him know, there was a me very real like. What have you accomplished in your life? Have you accomplished everything that you've set out to accomplish at this point? And what do you want to do next? Um, Like a very just real personal conversation, like a conversation with myself, just like sitting on my couch right there in front of the TV, just like, essentially it was like a a WTF (laughs) and like, (laughs) let's peel back the layers. And a lot of writing happened at that time and a lot of reflection and a lot of just like praying and thinking about... You know who I am and who God has made me to be, and mm. and even when I fall short of His image of of, of what you know what I think is his, of is His image of me, um, how He already knew what I was going to do, All right. and so there's no, I don't know, like I think we spend so much time second guessing ourselves mm. that we tend to th- forget about the bigger plan. And even if there are shortcomings in that larger plan, you are still, you know, thankful for that you are where you are. Right. Instead of where it is. And in terms of him, um, I mean, we, we had a lot of real conversations. It was just like, is this what you, is this what you want to do? And, and the, the unequivocal response, that like got was, I'm all in. So it made it easier for me to right. kind of like, to, to release a layer of stress and right. be thankful because I know there are people who are in similar situations, um, you know, unplanned pregnancies that they don't have somebody who's all in. Right. And that I think would be, you know, a different type of scary. Um Like, this in and of itself is a lot, but I think that's a whole different type of fear that I, would, I wouldn't I would want to have to think about or deal with.
0: If he wasn't all in, would you have still, in your reflection, I'm sure these are all yeah. the options that, you know, you weighed when you were um, writing and sitting with the information that you had that you were pregnant. If he wasn't all in, would you have still proceeded?
1: I think so. Um I'll never forget, it was... I think it was like either sunday july 28th or 29th i went to church i've been attending at first corinthians um in harlem and literally the sermon was like what's been placed in your womb is for you and i was like did they Ooh. know i was coming today why right. in the like, world i hate when that happens but i love when that happens
0: come on message um,
1: <laughs> and and like I, I literally left that day and sat down and i was like you know if it wasn't supposed to be a thing it wouldn't be a thing and who am I to stand in the way of who this person inside of me is going to become right um it's it's like out of it, it was already out of my power I, I feel like and the other part of me was just for my own like psychological mental health like I don't know if at this juncture being 30 this not like I'm a 16 17 18 early right. 20 year old getting pregnant like I've got a career, I've got things that I've been working on, I've got aspirations, I've lived a really great life, like, I have awesome friends who are really, really supportive, and I, I, I think that day I kind of came to the conclusion that I was going to move forward regardless of what the father said, and I think, um, you know, I would have wanted him to be involved, but if he chose that he didn't want to be, that that's his choice, and, right. you know, we got this network over here, all my Aggies, all my former classmates, okay. and, like, my parents and and family like we would we we would have made it work um but i'm really excited that we get to make it work in a way that's i think just going to be more holistic and beneficial for everybody
0: right um so i don't want to touch i mean i don't want to put your information out there but if you feel comfortable about navigating your relationship with your boyfriend as far as getting to this point where y'all have both grown tremendously into aligning with each other's goals and um ambitions in the lifestyle that you both envision for yourself but you took Mm -hmm. a break from that situation um even though you loved him and i wanted to ask just as women or you know, or, or or people being in relationships and knowing that you love someone, a lot of people are afraid to part, right? And mm-hmm. take a take a break. Like we need to take a break. It's like we had that mentality, <laughs> Ain't no breaks, What you mean we're gonna work through this. You know how people are like, Ain't no breaks, we're gonna work through this but you know, you made a decision to be like, Okay, currently at this state and where we're at, this is not the direction and where yep. we both need to go. I, could you talk more about kind of why you decided to take that break um, and what led you guys kind of back to one another?
1: Yeah, um, I think it was definitely a, a mutual decision to take a break when we initially did. Um, it was about two, maybe three years ago, and what's what's weird. Like I, I, literally, my life has changed in so many different ways. But like I was in the camp of like, eh, I don't really believe in breaks. Like it's Girl. a done deal. It's over. Um, but I, I think in the time that we were apart, I just did a lot of self-reflection mm. about what I wanted and what it really means to forgive. Mm. Um, I think we have a hard time with that as women, not even like black, brown didn't matter. It was like as women. Um, and also just acknowledging like if there's, if there's a space for growth, like allow that growth to happen. Right. And so we really didn't communicate at all for like a year and a half, almost two years after we broke things off the first time. And, you know, I, it took. It, I mean, we're still having conversations. I talked to my mom, and I'm, and to an extent, my parents have been married now like thirty seven years, and she's mm. still like, we're figuring it out. Like, yeah. we love each other, but there are still days that like we're figuring it out. And I remember, I'll never forget my mom. Uh, one of my cousins asked my mom at a, a um, I think it was like my, my my grandmother's like ninety fifth birthday party or 90th, 90th birthday party. We were all in Chicago, and she was like, and she was just like, how do you deal with how do you deal with Uncle Glenn? And, mm. and my mom was like. You know, she asked my dad that. My dad was like, you know, I don't know how she does it. And my mom was just, like, essentially her response was just, like, patience. Like, if you really love somebody, you're going to be patient with them. Um, And so I think for us and coming back together, it's just really learning, like, what does it mean to be patient? Right. And what does it mean to be vulnerable when Mm. you might not have been the first time around? Right. And what does it mean to just listen? Um, and really hear what someone's saying versus listening to respond. I think we do a lot mm. of that. Um, I mean, we still have car- like we still have hard conversations. We still have, you know, very happy jovial conversations. Right. But I think at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, we both of us are kind of looking at this as like two point oh. Like, and, and not right. everyone gets a second chance at things. Right. Um,
0: and I'm sure with the baby on the way, there's been just innate. Like, I feel like innate. Things that go that set into motion, where it's like there's things that you would have been like, oh, back in the day you was not like this, but all of a sudden <laughs> it just clicked. Like you, you know, like there's well, different I, movements, it's a I different type of movement on a, a yeah, certain type of a chord. Yeah. I
1: think, like, notwithstanding the baby, there was there was just like a change in both of us. Like okay, we're, we're two years older than we were True. before, and and we've learned, and there are things that we, you know, I think prior to weren't willing to talk about for whatever reason i think they were probably both really immature and selfish reasons on both of our parts um that now it's just like nope we got to talk about this
0: mm-hmm. like
1: he he can he can walk in hey so let's <laughs> talk about xyz and it doesn't feel awkward it doesn't feel antagonizing it feels like we're just trying to honestly communicate um which i really i truly believe held us back the first time like mm-hmm. the first time around and so it's great to have this you know, a second chance or something and it's great that you know, something beautiful is coming out of it. Again, like, if I could have picked the timeline differently, it probably wouldn't be right now. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be going in twenty eighteen. I'll probably be big as a small a small house at that point in time. <laughs> like I probably would have envisioned myself as some black tie cocktail party with a fabulous gown on. Right. And no stomach. Um <laughs> but it's it's a blessing. Like it it really is a blessing and it's it's I'm I'm thankful that I've taken the time to really reflect on who I wanted to be, who I have grown from, the interactions I had, you know, in the the midst of our breakup and what it taught me um, about myself and also, like, what it taught me about just, like, self-love.
0: Can you dig a little deeper into that into, like, what you learned about self-love through that time?
1: Yeah, I I think in that period, I didn't know. Now, I, I don't think I had an explanation for it, but I was fearful to be vulnerable again um but I think in in the in the way I was behaving I was masquerading that with just you know being overtly social and friendly and you know getting into situations that probably shouldn't have been in Mm. um in reflection like did I feel like I didn't truly truly unpack
0: Mm -hmm. what had
1: happened and truly let it digest and I just essentially like, I talked a good game of like I'm over this, this is done, not going back Right. and moved my life forward um,
0: but, by action but not by feeling exactly, by yeah.
1: action but like I feel like in a lot of interactions it was a, a consistent tug of war like is this who I want to be, is this where I am and it, it, it's, it just never sat with me in a way that made me feel confident or comfortable um, and so I, I realized over time it was just like I need to just talk to him and just get everything out like mm-hmm. I, it just needs to be out in the open like mm-hmm. how i'm feeling how frustrated i was how frustrated i still am and to an extent it was kind of like take it or leave it like i just had to get it off my chest
0: right
1: <laughs> i needed to feel better about me um and of that came a lot of just follow-up conversations where we moved in, in a direction of getting back together and yeah it's you know I, I still have so many friends who are like we're concerned about you and, and I'm what like, do you guys. Do with that? Yeah. And how do you how do you deal
0: with the you know? Granted, love our friends, we love our loved ones, yeah. love our family. But how do you deal with the the noise? You know, the outside noise that comes in and kind of not on not consciously do it, but they subconsciously yeah. kind of project maybe their own fears yeah. and their own you know opinions on yeah. your you know life, your situation. I mean, I think it's
1: I think a part of it is is you know, potentially projection. But I think the other part of it is, is the people who are close to me that know details of, like, version one, now going into version two, um, they truly care about me. And they want me to be happy. They want me to be, you know, in a in a psychologically stable place. Mm-hmm. I won't say I wasn't psychologically stable. It's just, like, they don't want me dealing with turmoil, especially now knowing I'm having a baby. Right. Um, and I, th- I think there there is a piece of, like, you hear it and you out of respect for your relationship, decided how much you really want to tell people. Um, your friends don't have to know everything. They just don't. And I, I, I can honestly say, like, in first version, I was very vocal when I was frustrated. And I think a lot of it, the communication issues, like, instead of me talking to him, I'd be trying to get advice on what to say to him and inadvertently telling everybody else everything. Mm. Um, Girls, Which it. they didn't need to know. And I really take that as, like, my own... That was my own downfall. And... You know, you you learn from those situations and it's not like I don't tell people things maliciously like I don't want you to know or like I'm trying to hide. It's just like I have to give him the respect for us to work it out together as a couple right? um, before deciding to discuss with anybody else. And if we're truly going to do this together, it has to be us, essentially us against the world. Like I used to think of those cliche things like that's stupid. (laughs) But the more I'm like the deeper I get into our relationship and the more I think about what I think it means to be able to model healthy communication for our son, a lot of that just comes with you got to directly address the stuff you're upset with with that person, right? And in your inability to do that, you create mistrust, mm. and the more mistrust you create, you're just stirring your own pot. Mm. Um, and so, like for, I, I, I catch myself sometimes, like it'll be, something will happen, and I'll be like, ooh, I want to call my mom right now." Or like, oh my god, I got called oh my best god, friend. Oh my god, yes. And child. it's so easy to fall into that trap. But then it's like, you know what? Let me make sure I have the full story. And there's still still times when, like, I, so once I have the you know story, what
0: that's called growth. It is. As Kelly would say, "My insecure girl. growth."
1: Uh, I mean, there's still times when I'm like, great, got that side of the story. Now I still need to make sure, and it, it comes. Um, but I think there's still like there's just a piece of me that is very adamant about. I want to better understand, and and a lot of it's just like the male brain is just so interesting. <laughs> it's it's so convoluted, and it like to an extent like he's kind of like my and he's gonna hate me. Like he's gonna listen to this and be probably he's so upset. <laughs> but like there's a piece of just like I really do want to learn about him and like and the way that he thinks to better understand. So when he keeps putting the fruit on top of the fruit drawer instead of in the fruit drawer in the fridge every time I bring home groceries let's just unpack that so that we can get move on because it drives me crazy what is your logic
0: behind that I need to to
1: understand (laughs) so like stop putting perishables in the fridge when we first buy like non-perishables in the fridge when we first buy them put them in the cabinet like little things like that where I'm like I just don't
0: instead of like just blowing up again and says like let me understand pretty much what you like walk me through your thought process. Like down and to that. the
1: small things. I think we if we don't seek out it's like broken wind it's like the broken window syndrome, if we don't seek out explanation for the small things they just they 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 bubble up and become big things so it's like i'll be mad about something really serious and then decide to bring up the fridge Shout. and this and that and everything else and it's just like that's low blow after low blow after low blow which doesn't help anything and so i th- i think just like me personally i've just grown in communication I, I think during the time we were apart i spent a lot of time with my parents like just just trying to better understand like where do i want to go and if you know, I'm not going to say they're the perfect model of, like, of, of matrimony. They've right. been together for a very long time. And, you know, I, I, we've learned a lot about each other. As Like, now being an adult, talking to them is much different. Right. Even, the, like, mid, being, like, an early 20s, mid-20-year-old, like... Something about 30. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, you
0: start to rep. It's the thing about your parents is that you start to see a whole record, a lot of things girl. that were always there. And they start but to but you tell just you didn't things. notice it. And then they start to tell you things. You'd be like, oh, this is a lot. Like, then you want to be like, I'm still your child. Like, um, yeah, sure, I'm, not your I'm not your girlfriend. I'm not your homegirl. I'm still your child. Girl. Like, let, let's have some, let's establish some boundaries. But I really do want to know, how did you deal with yes. that? But like, you know, give me the PG version because at the same time, it's like, Still those parents. are still your parents. <laughs> like, those are still your parents. But I, so. I think
1: that's a part of like building a healthy adult relationship right. with your parents. Like it's important that you're able to be transparent with them and talk about things because at the end of the day, they still have twice, they've lived twice the life that I've lived. Correct. And so, like, and literally, like for me, my parents are like exactly, like I turned 30, my mom turned 60 mm-hmm. like in the same year, like literally twice the life that I've lived. And I think there's just so much power in that. And I think for me, and I think for for any young professional, young adult listening, there's a there's a real power in asking the right questions. Oh, like not girl. coming in, asking loaded questions, asking leading questions, but asking questions and just letting them talk and then listening to hear, not listening to respond. Mm. Like, don't defend your case. Sometimes you just got to let them just like lay the smack down. And that's OK. Like, let that just let that sit and then take that home and like and, and reflect on it. And then come back and talk about it. You don't have to respond in the moment. And that's with like any part of life, right? Whether it's work, personal. Doesn't you don't have to respond always in the moment. I think we in our like Twitter, inst- Instagram, you get defensive, text message. We want to fire right back all the time on everything, and that's not always the most healthy way mm-hmm. to handle conversations.
0: Right. So with that experience from you know knowing that you have this fear, this deep fear of not uh or not wanting to to not have an impact mm-hmm. right in the community and also having this transformative year of you know getting back with your boyfriend and bringing a newborn you know motherhood stepping into motherhood do you feel like you can have it all you know when they say oh can a woman really have it all <laughs> do you feel like you can have it all do you feel like have you ever thought about that? Like, can I balance this, like, that you're in a successful role, you're in the community, you're impacting, you know, you're, a your coach, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're working at, um, you're one of the leads at, um, public prep. And now you have your relationship back in a really good place. You are now becoming a mother. Do you feel like you can have it all are absolutely kind of, you know? like I literally <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely that's our answer
1: I, I, li- I, I literally sit back and I'm you know after watching uh, what was the movie The Summer Girls Trip yes Girls um, Trip just such a great movie shout out to all that black girl magic yes. and I think you know I watched that and I was like I should write a real version of that book like I feel like her version is good whatever it might have been but like I really feel like I could write an actual book about like how do you kind of balance it all um and like, granted, I will say, like, I haven't, baby still inside of me, haven't balanced anything yet. <laughs> right now, it's just work and coaching and relationship and real life. But, you know, I think it, we have to all define what does having it all mean for mm. us. It can't be that your definition of having it all is someone else's definition. Mm. And so for me, like, having it all, you know, will probably look very different than it would for other people. For me, it's, you know, making sure that I can spend time with my significant other. It's making sure that... We're focusing on raising our son. It's making sure that I'm still spending time with family and friends. Right. It's you know still staying in a role that is impactful in work, um, but knowing that you know in reality still can't work sixty hour weeks. Just that's just not possible. Got to pick up the baby, drop the baby off. There are real constraints, mm. um, and I think for me, like having it all really is not just building the career trajectory, which I think is very important to me, um, but Really having that balance of personal life and career right and not not taking for granted the relationships and spending time with people who mean a lot to me and and you know finding a way to give back and and staying in a relationship with god and and having um balance you know for me having it all really, it feels like balance yeah. where I feel like when I go to sleep at night i'm i feel like i've I've done what I set out to do um essentially it's like like, I, I want to, like, not having impact translates to, like, at the end of my life, will God say well done? Mm. And, you know, I I feel like I'm on a path where, you know, there are always shortcomings. There are always missteps. But I feel like I'm on a path of, like, yes, that's the answer. Like, I feel like I've done what I've set out to do. Um, you know, we thinking about, like, work, the first class of eighth graders that I graduated back in 2013, those young women are going to college. Like, they're in college as freshmen. And it's amazing. Um like, I feel like that's like part one of the legacy is, is, is paying it forward in that route. And then part two is having your family and paying it forward and, and building strong leaders within your household. And like part three is kind of just keeping it all together and hopefully somewhere in there pass down some generational wealth.
0: I was just going to ask you what you wanted your legacy to be. but I feel <laughs> like, girl, you just gave it to us real quick. So I guess my I'll pivot to a question of you said you did a lot of reflection. Mm-hmm. You got to a place where you really understood who you are. And what you wanted? So, who is Emily Christopher? Not the you know. We can run it down on LinkedIn.com. I'm talking about oh, who are you at the core? You know, as a woman, as a being, like who are you?
1: Um, man, I, that's a really deep and loaded question.
0: Oh, is that too deep? And it's not
1: too deep. I'm trying to figure out what's the oh. best way to articulate it. I think, you know, there's a piece of me that is. I mean, that, so there's like the regular titles like daughter sister, aunt, godmother, um soon to be mother, girlfriend, um you know, one-day wife. Like there's there's that very much like societal norms that are placed on you and that's who you are, but I think for me like there's just an aspect of like being a dreamer mm-hmm. um and wanting wanting to have to make a difference and despite how negative things may be at times, despite how much the odds stack up against you Despite who's in political power, despite you know just what happens in the world that directly fights against the work that you do every single day. So for example, I look at the you know the the school to prison pipeline and I'm like, Jesus, how do we really disrupt this mm. um, you know like it but for me it's like but it can be done. It just right. has to be done the right way. And there are so many people who, you know, like fight the battle in different ways. right And I feel like a part of my path, like who I am is the person that's going to relentlessly keep pushing the envelope in the way that we think about how we educate our children in the resources we give our children in the systems that support how we educate our children. because to me, if we're not pouring into that next generation, what are we even doing?
0: Why are we? Like, yeah, we, like why? If, why if are we even here not, if we're not helping bring up the next generation? Yeah, and if we're
1: not trying to disrupt systems that are keeping are, that are societally keeping people down, right? Why are we here? Um, and, and again, people do that in many different ways. For me, I just feel like my calling is in education and to be that dreamer who will one day—I'm not sure in what capacity—but hopefully, just have a true stamp on how public education is really educating all of our students.
0: Mm.
1: Not just urban, not just suburban, not rural, but all of our students. And how we're preparing our economy and society
0: for the next level. Ah, hear that. So... It's heavy. That's heavy. I (laughs) I was like, oh, I hear that. Ooh, child. So the one question I wanted to ask you was, what is the one thing that you would tell your own child
1: about mm. facing
0: his fears as he comes into this world and starts to you know develop in mm-hmm. all of these societal things that we were just talking about norms and things start to hit you what is one thing that you would tell him about facing his own fears
1: i mean it'll probably be a rule in our house but you don't use the word can't okay um i do it with my basketball girls mid-practice like, i can't mm, we're all gonna stop and do some push-ups or something because we gotta <laughs> get that word out of our mind. Um, you can do anything, and whether it's you know whether, whether it's something physical, psychological, intellectual, you can it's just finding a way that works for you to be able to do it. And you know, as I work with my girls on on a week to week basis and we work through new skills and we try new things, a lot of that work is is born in this idea of pushing them beyond. Pushing them to their growing edge. If they, if they're right hand, they didn't only do it with the right hand. We're going to spend time with your left hand, and I know it's going to hurt at first. It's going to be hard, but that's a part of growing. You have to get, you have to get to right. that edge where it hurts, and you, to an extent, have to get a little frustrated because that's when you know you're pushing yourself. And so,
0: if you're not like challenging he, he just, yourself, how are you growing? Yeah,
1: like every time he says can't, I'll probably there'll probably be something that we just do. That's like <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a poem or you got to write something, like. There's going to be something that's like, no, we don't say can't. And we don't say now, can't. You
0: start having them say don't quit.
1: It's like it's like we don't say can't because it's a mindset. And there are enough psychological prisons within society for black boys anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's not make more inside the household.
0: Oh, I hear that. And on that note, okay, because <laughs> that, <laughs> on that note, I always like to um, close out uh, the episode by, of course, thank you so much for joining me um, on this episode and s- spreading your wisdom and your knowledge and, anytime and coming <laughs> and bringing another impact right because they're impacting the community right now by even just having this conversation yeah. and hoping to inspire someone else who may be along the same journey or path as you so to spread that knowledge to them and them to hear it and understand you're not alone Yeah, we're all cool. navigating this together um, I really do appreciate you um, joining the episode but I usually like to close out with a quote, because I'm a quotable, people. <laughs> I love me a good quote. But I would leave you all with this. Nelson Mandela once said, you can never have an impact on society if you have not changed yourself.
1: Mm. Come on, Nelson. Won't he do it? Come on, Nelson.
0: Lord. <laughs> yes. So I'll let that sink in. Until next time, I'm wishing you all love, light, and many blessings. It's your girl, Fearless Kia, and we out.